0: You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com.
1: That's it. You're madder than a junkyard dog, and you're not going to take it anymore. Your feathers are ruffled, your dander's up, and you've got a definite bone to pick. Welcome to Pet Peeves, the show that lets you dig through the dirt and unleash your passion for pets. Why let sleeping dogs lie when you can take the bull by the horns and let the fur fly? So, get your claws out and get ready to rattle some cages on Pet Peeves with your host, pet expert, and award winning author, Amy Shojai.
2: Hey there, and welcome to Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Amy Shojai, and today we're talking about the cost of furry love. Look out, here comes my rant of the week. We live in an age when keeping cats and dogs healthy and happy has never been easier. Or more expensive. Certainly, you get what you pay for, but I'm hearing from listeners that some veterinarians expect too much. Oh, now it's great. We have vaccinations, spay-neuter, dentistry, and parasite prevention, but now we're being hounded to take pets for twice-yearly wellness checks. Me-ouch! The cost for routine treatment keeps going up and get me started on how Beyond the Basics care can bite your pocketbook. Heck, people don't see their own doctors for wellness checks. It makes more sense to save money when they're well so you can afford to spend when the pet's sick and really needs a doctor. Well, I hope my guest today will shed some light on this topic and I'm delighted to introduce you to Dr. Jane Brunt, one of the leading feline practitioners in the United States. She served as president of the Maryland Veterinary Medical Association and has also participated extensively in the American Animal Hospital Association Leadership Initiatives. Dr. Brunt served as the 2006 president of the American Association of Feline Practitioners and is the chair of the Catalyst Summit Initiative. So come sit stay and we'll be right back with Dr. Brunt after these messages.
1: Okay, time to call off the dogs. Pet Peeves will be back with more biting topics right after we kibble a little with our sponsors. Pets are part of the family, and when traveling with your dog, there's only one magazine to include when packing your doggy's duffel bag, and that's Fido Friendly, the travel and lifestyle magazine for you and your dog. Each bi-monthly issue includes hotel, city and state reviews, and doggy destinations to explore with your furry companion. Fido Friendly magazine can be found at Borders, Barnes & Noble, PetSmart, Pet Boutiques, and Fido Friendly hotels nationwide. Or you can go online to subscribe at www.fidofriendly.com. So get traveling with your pet today and leave no dog behind. And remember, Fido Friendly's the only magazine dedicated to the travel lifestyle of man's best friend, and the one magazine your dog will thank you for. Ow, ow.
3: It's time to start scratching for donations for the Humane Society of Broward County's Walk for the Animals presented by VCA Animal Hospitals. The walk is
2: Saturday, March 1st at Esplanade Park in downtown Fort Lauderdale. You'll need a registration form, so stop by any VCA Animal Hospital, IHOP, the Museum of Discovery and Science, or the Humane Society. This event is also brought to you by Big 1059, Comcast, Purina 1, PetLifeRadio.com. Tidy Cats and the Herald. Call 954-266-6817 or log on to Walk the Number 4TheAnimals.com for more details.
3: See you there.
1: Let's Talk Pets on (laughs) PetLifeRadio.com. We know you're foaming at the mouth to get back to pet peeves. So here's Amy with some more tail tying, fur flying fun.
2: Welcome back to Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio. And please welcome my guest, Dr. Jane Brunt, a veterinarian with some pretty nifty insights into our topic. Welcome to the show, Dr. Brunt.
3: Thank you, Amy. It's great to be here.
2: Uh, first of all, I'd like to ask a little bit about yourself for listeners. What what pets do you have? Cats, dogs, a mixture?
3: I have I have two great cats. Patty's a big, big pudgy gray tabby, and then Freddie's my lean and trim uh, black uh, short hair. And they keep my dog in his place. So I, I'm a household <laughs> of three, and uh, the the cats enjoy watching the birds outside through the window, and uh, it's a it's a great home.
2: Well, you know what it, it does my heart good to hear a veterinarian say that one of her cats is a little bit pudgy, so maybe there 's hope for me <laughs>
3: <laughs> it 's a, <Well>, <laughs> a battle
2: it 's a battle tell you what let's let 's just jump right in here with all four paws um, the cost has the cost for pet care gone up, or has my wallet simply shrunk?
3: Well, you know, truthfully Amy, all healthcare costs are going up and, and you have to look at, at what's happening with the cost of technology. So it's across the board. We can do what, what physicians do, what hospitals do, and and we want to provide that for people that want that for their pets.
2: Now I know that veterinarians people people seem to have this perspective that they're a doctor, they're raking in the dough, they're driving this big car, whatever, and you know, what's the average income for a veterinarian who's just starting out? It's got to be tough.
3: Yeah, yes it is. I mean, when you think about a veterinary student that after college went to four years of veterinary school for their doctorate and often, very often graduates with a Debt of a hundred thousand dollars or more. I mean, that's that's gosh. huge. And then they can expect, uh, currently, to earn anywhere from forty to to fifty thousand dollars a year. Maybe maybe sixty in in certain practices in certain areas. Uh, and that's very hard to repay those student loans when when you're just starting out.
2: Well, I know that I did just a very uh, unscientific survey. Sent out some questions to a number of pet owners, pet lovers, and even some writers who may or may not have had pets. And I thought it was pretty telling. One of the quotes, a direct quote that I got back said, yes, they, this is speaking of veterinarians, yes, they have to live, but the care of pets as a medical doctor is, in my opinion, a vocation, not a business.
3: Hmm. So it
2: seems it seems to th- say that, that a lot of pet owners seem to think that, Veterinarians get into this because they love pets. Why are they, why are they kind of, you know, putting it to us in the pocketbook?
3: Well, vets do love animals. I I mean, to to commit that amount of their life to just really going forward with veterinary medicine and, you know, just to be able to repay the student loans, we need to be better at business. Certainly in a practice sitting setting in order to continue to provide the technology. And the support that people want—you know—to have a staff, to have a facility that's clean and warm and comfortable, and and to provide radiography and ultrasonography, and to be able to do dental cleaning and take dental radiographs—that uh, costs a lot. And we need to do better at business in order to be able to continue to to provide those services for people. And well, I know, you know that the pets they love. Uh,
2: yes, absolutely. I think that I think we're in agreement on that. Um, and. Interestingly, when when I first started working as a veterinary technician, it was a very small town in eastern Kentucky, a population of about 5,000. It was a coal mining town. And I remember the, the veterinarian I worked for, fresh out of school, so excited about the whole practice and wanting to help pets. His wife was the business person. And she was the one that was saying, hey, look, you can't just keep giving people credit. He was taking eggs. He was taking sides of ham, a lot of barter. So I think in certain instances, I know veterinarians bend over backwards to do what is necessary to help their patients. But, you know, in some of the other practices, people tend to tell me, you know, they aren't willing to help me out to negotiate or even ask about my finances. It's, you know, put up or shut up or get out of my practice.
3: Well, certainly having a good relationship with your veterinarian so that you can have the dialogue about what is the cost of health care and what, what can I expect to spend for something. I think one of the biggest things that people are afraid of are those unexpected um, expenses that they might be faced with. Say they bring their cat in because it's been losing weight and drinking water and they find out that it has diabetes and all of a sudden it's, oh my goodness, now I'm faced with... Possibly needing to give my cat injections every day and the monitoring and, and that can be not only an emotional shock from the health standpoint but also from the financial standpoint just realizing all of a sudden that things have to change. It is a big challenge and, and that's why we want to have a good communication with our owners and, and if you're ever unsure about the expenses certainly talk to your veterinarian about getting treatment plans with the associated fees for, for any, for any visit.
2: Okay. I know that some veterinarians do offer uh, payment plans, uh, those types of things. Is that something that people should broach with their veterinarian up front? Or perhaps even when they have a new kitten or a new puppy and they're looking for a practice, is this something that uh, might be worthwhile to to check? And it might be a, a choice.
3: Well, you've hit the nail on the head, Amy, I think when you said when people get a new puppy or a new kitten, that's when they need to realize that this, hey, this is this is great. The pet's part of my family. I need to be responsible for it because if they're not going to be able to open the dog food can or, or bag of food and fend for themselves. We have to take care of them, and it's our responsibility as pet owners to know that with the ownership of that cat or dog, comes the responsibility, not just for feeding them, but for their health care and just their basic wellness needs too. So that's where it starts in educating people about really the cost of care and, and is this appropriate for them. And, and by all means, um, yes, because because the rewards of pet ownership uh, far outweigh the, the costs in the, in, the, in the short term.
2: Well, I know that pet owners sometimes get into these situations and then we were talking about the emotional uh, bond that we have with our pets. When finances come between the emotions, you almost feel blackmailed that, I, you know, now I'm in a, I put myself in a position, I love this animal. I have to take care of him, but I can't afford to, and that's just devastating for owners. Is mm-hmm. can you quote us a ballpark cost of what? What are the basic wellness care costs? I mean, the the, the vaccines, the exam, and, uh, you know, an annual exam, sure. fleet products, those kinds of things.
3: Sure. Well, that varies from region to region in the country, and. And what the particular um, needs of the pet are for its lifestyle and life stage, because you know, kittens, when they're first starting out need a series of, of vaccinations, the immunizations to help keep them from from getting the diseases, and certainly parasite prevention. Two thousand and seven American Veterinary Medical Association did a survey. Uh, in 2006 and just came out with a report. It's called the U.S. Pet Owner Demographics and Source Book. And what they did was they, um, they surveyed 50,000 pet owners all across the U.S. and they came up with some very interesting statistics. Uh, across the board, a, a vet visit might range, you know, in the $100, in the $100 uh, range. Variable cats, much lower than dogs. And um, it it all depends on their individual needs. Well,
2: I know that people. This is National Pet Care Dental Health Month, and so mm-hmm. a lot of the uh, local practices are recommending the, an annual teeth cleaning and that type of thing. We, I spoke last week with um, a veterinary dentist, and he said that the cleaning that may run from the low 100s to four or even $500. And so that's an added cost just on a, a general wellness issue that I think pet owners are concerned about. And then, you know, down, down the road, there may be other issues that the veterinarian says, oh, well, you know, this is national whatever Pet Health Month. Now you need to get a blood work done. Right. So I think people are concerned about, they're getting hit with a lot of different things and they don't really understand you know tell me up front what my costs are and then maybe I can budget better.
3: Sure, sure, and that and that gear's more toward the keep your pet healthy, keep it well. If we can avoid the need to do a dental procedure to avoid anesthesia by simply by you as the owner providing proper home care or the proper diet. There's some great dental diets out now to keep pets teeth clean and we can certainly show people how to brush their cat's teeth it sounds kind of funny but there's special (laughs) toothpaste and special toothbrush i don't know that i would want to have seafood flavored toothpaste but uh, (laughs) cats don't like mint either so uh, but, but the more that we can do to prevent those needs by keeping cats healthy before those problems occur cats and dogs of course i come from just a feline background but um You know, the better off it is for everybody, for the pet, uh, for the for the owner's pocketbook.
2: Well, are are dogs more expensive than cats to take care of? Is maybe that part of the reason you said with the uh, the survey that that cats are seen less?
3: Well, I I don't agree that cats are more expensive. I think people spend. I know that people spend more on dogs, but just because they spend less on cats doesn't mean that they're less expensive. They're they're smaller, so it costs less to feed them. Uh, as far as their wellness care, they still get dental disease, obesity. I mentioned my pudgy patty at the outset, and obesity is something that affects forty percent um, in some in some studies have shown that forty percent of our feline population is overweight, and that in itself leads to serious health concerns, most notably diabetes so again, if, if we can prevent that, um, then we 're far ahead on on the both the health of the animal as well as as well as the owner needing to spend money, and there are lots of strategies. I don't know a veterinarian that doesn't that hasn't not charged in certain situations or will make arrangements with people, and and there are services now that provide. Um, there's a company called Care Credit that will provide um, a line of credit for pet health care, and that's been um, that's been a boom to some people as well. So veterinarians want to do whatever they can to help to help pets, and, and they will. And it's up to us to keep the relationship and the communication going.
2: Well, I I do understand that in some parts of the country, there, there just aren't enough veterinarians to go around, according to, I believe that's the AVMA. So yes. in some instances, that's going to drive the cost up as well. If you can't get in to see your favorite practice, you may have to go somewhere uh, that's a little pricier just to get your pet seen.
3: I think there's some areas where you say there aren't enough veterinarians to go around and and I think what we have in many areas is that some pets go underserved and you know your your pet will be seen whether it's at your favorite doctor at your particular time that you absolutely want them or another doctor in the same practice or an emergency hospital your pet your pet can be seen if it needs to be seen so depending on the circumstances you know i don't I don't necessarily think that that's driving the cost up. Certainly emergency care after hours, that tends to be more costly because those facilities um, in order to maintain that kind of facility is more costly. So again, if we can prevent the disease, if I can find out that your cat is pre-diabetic and change that before it goes into full-blown diabetes or has a, a ketoacidotic uh, crisis that would require it to go to the emergency hospital. That's that's the best investment that that anyone can can make is keeping those wellness exams current and and making sure your pet pet is on the the road to staying healthy.
2: The issue you brought up about um, care credit uh, brings me to my next um, suggestion that this, this may have an influence. I know that with human health costs these days, the sticker shock gets buffered a little bit because insurance picks up part of the tap, at least if, if you are insured. Uh, now, with our pets, when they are being seen by the veterinarian, and as you say, the veterinarians use the same diagnostic tools, a lot of the same drugs, all of that, It's the cost is perhaps looks a little bit higher because we don't have the insurance taking up some of that. But if we had to compare that to a human cost without insurance, I think people maybe would uh, be a little bit more forgiving.
3: Oh, clearly, because when you compare the the cost of it costs the same to run a blood count in a, in a person as it does in a, in an animal. It's just that we don't have the subsidized healthcare that and, and the volume that um, that human health services often have. Now, pet health insurance is around, and it's um, it it needs to be more within our community. The the industry is making some rapid changes in terms of of coverage and and hopefully providing um, high deductible with catastrophic for those cases that you were that you were um, mentioning about about the cost of care all of a sudden, bam. And if we can continue to promote insurance for whatever needs the person wants, whether they want the wellness to be included at a certain premium level or whether they just want to cover for the catastrophic, then that's definitely a partner that, that they should consider.
2: I know that I personally would be much more inclined to take my my dog or my cat in for for the wellness checks if, if that were covered in part at least by an insurance policy and it Many wouldn't of be do
3: mm-hmm.
2: do they really? okay oh, yeah, I need yeah. to look further into that. All right. well, we will continue our conversation with Dr. Brunt after messages from these sponsors:. <laughs>
1: Okay, time to call off the dogs. Pet Peeves will be back with more biting topics right after
0: we kibble a little with our sponsors. Human? What planet?
1: Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. We know you're foaming at the mouth to get back to pet peeves. So here's Amy with some more tail-tying, fur-flying fun.
2: We're back and again speaking with Dr. Jane Brunt, the past president of the AAFP and chair of the recent Catalyst meeting. I wanted to get back with the issue of the wellness exams, Doctor. Uh, One of the quotes that I got on my very unscientific survey was this, the money I spend on well animals is money that I don't have to spend when they get sick. So I guess it follows, the people are saying, if my pet is not due vaccinations, of course we've gone away from the annual vaccines, uh, so they've not due vaccinations. They look healthy to me. They aren't complaining. Why should I bring them in? What am I getting for my money there?
3: Well, that's a really great question, Amy, because wellness exams are incredibly important. Um, They allow us to get a feel for the cat, particularly cats, since we all know that they're masters at hiding their At hiding their illnesses and they, and they don't show signs of sickness very readily at all. But if we can make an investment, if the owner can understand that keeping their pet healthy from the get-go with nutrition counseling and to prevent obesity because we do see so much diabetes, the dental disease issue, oral health is huge. I mean, how many, how many times have you smelled your animal's breath and said, woo, what it smells is that there is bacteria in the mouth the bacteria and the plaque cause gingivitis periodontal disease and that causes the bone to break down and the gums to get red and that's where the odor's coming from so if we can as a wellness perspective i mean you and i go to the dentist twice twice a year sometimes people go quarterly or more depending on their needs for just maintenance of oral health
2: Actually, I just came from the dentist this morning, so this strikes close to home.
3: Yes, yes. So if we can keep pets healthy rather than chasing after the disease, then that's the best investment that people can make. So I would encourage wellness exams on a regular basis, whether your veterinarian talks about twice a year. We like to do twice a year because of the aging of cats. They just age differently than people. Did you know that in the first two years of a cat's age, that's like forty-five years of people age. So a lot happens in two years, and a lot of habits are are um, already entrenched during that short. People think, well, they're you know they're spayed, they're neutered, they are had all their vaccines, so I don't need anything for a while.
2: Yeah, they're that good to
3: go. Be further, that couldn't be further from the truth.
2: <laughs> well, yep. I know that. A lot, of the, a lot of the cat people are saying now though, I'm a good pet parent, I'm doing the responsible thing, she was spayed, she's inside exclusively, She doesn't. she's not exposed to all of those things like, you know, my dogs go outside and they get exposed, but my cat doesn't. So there, there is a perception, and forgive me, doctor, but I'm hearing this a lot. Isn't this just a way to generate more income for the clinics?
3: Well, I wish it were true. But our concerns are, are for the pet health. Just because they're indoors doesn't mean that they're exempt from getting even outdoor diseases, for example. Like heartworms. Yes. I was just going to say, you know, mosquitoes get inside unless you live in a hermetically sealed 44th floor apartment, and some people do. Indoor cats that, that just sit in screen windows, if you, if you, um, Allow your your windows to be open at all with or without screens, mosquitoes come in, that's what carries heartworm, that's what infects cats, and cats get a different disease from dogs and heartworms. So preventing heartworm infection rather than treating it once it's happened, that's part of the basic wellness. So just because they stay inside doesn't mean that they're that they're not exposed to other hazards. And and, and that's just kind of the basic parasite prevention. Then you get into the you know, the diseases like heart disease and diabetes that in the early stages, you can't see those signs in cats in particular because they just they hide their illnesses, they just kinda get quiet and, and cats don't cough when they get heart disease like dogs do. So it is really important to, to stay on top of, of their health. By Getting regular veterinary visits
2: well, I think that leads me to what I was going to ask after after that but because uh, people will say my cat or my dog looks and acts fine it 's kind of that old um, Saying you know you put your hand on the pet and feel if they're going to if they're healthy or not. It's uh, you know put your hand on the telephone. Tell me tell me if my cat feels good or not. So I think we're assuming a lot perhaps. uh, And and if we if we take the time and even invest in our animals' health for the future. You know, cats are living to be 15, 20, 25 years old, and I think that in great part is because of the care we're taking of them.
3: Oh, yes, and, you know, I wanted to mention, too, I've enjoyed your book, uh, Pet Care in the New Century, and that is a great resource for the available technology that we have and and a lot of the common conditions that that pets do get. But it is, you know, they live longer because we can take care Better care of them, but you know we still think senior at seven because if you look at the the way that that cats and dogs age, you know when they're seven years old, they're already in their fifties compared to people. So so that's getting up there. I guess they could have their um, AARP, association, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we want to we want to take care of them, identify problems early in the course because the earlier we identify a problem, I mean it's just like heart disease and hypertension and and even cancers, breast cancer, the earlier you can identify a problem, the more likely it is you're going to be able to institute a therapy or a preventive measure like a diet or whatever, and the much more likely and it seems very obvious that the outcome is going to be better.
2: So essentially, wellness checks, if you can get on some sort of a schedule, potentially that's going to not only save your pet's life and health, it's going to save your pocketbook.
3: Oh, yes, just from the prevention standpoint. And it allows people to kind of divide up the the expenses. For example, if they come in in the spring, and that's the time of year where they the dogs get their heartworm check, and they go home with their heartworm preventative and in the fall if they're due for a vaccine they can do that or a dental if it's necessary in the fall because you can you can plan for those things or or if the cat has gained a little bit of weight since its last visit you can develop a plan for counting calories and cutting back and then come in for monthly weight checks if you can but at the very least say okay in six months she needs to weigh eight pounds not 10 pounds that kind of thing.
2: Well, with people, we have what's called a staged health care. We know that uh, for humans, they have a Certain age, and i 'm not going to say what that age is, we're uh, we know we 're supposed to have yes we 're there <laughs> you 're supposed to have a mammogram, um, men are supposed to have different tests done, and most of the physicians agree on these they 've kind of gotten together and they they 've publicized this, and people know well i need to I need to go in and have my my teeth looked at, whatever it may be. pet owners. Tend to hear mixed messages. Not all of the uh, clinics say the same thing. Not all of the specialists say the same thing. So the veterinary dentists are off pushing, you know, dental health care. The internists are are pushing something else. The parasitologists are talking heartworms. Can we get on the same page? Can we come up with some kind of a of a staged health care for cats and for dogs so that that when you get that puppy, you get that kitten, you can calendar it and kind of know what to expect and, and people aren't thinking, well, my animal's healthy. I have to go in and ha- pay the doctor to tell me my animal's healthy when actually I'm going in for this particular purpose.
3: Right. And And just last week, the American Association of Feline Practitioners and the American Animal Hospital Association agreed to develop Guidelines jointly between those two great organizations to address what are the wellness issues at the various life stages for for cats. Now this is because of a of a feline initiative called Catalyst, and that's an initiative that's to champion the cat. We uh, we really want to. Prevent cats from continuing to be the second-class citizen that they really are. Yes, and we're really looking forward. I, I will say that the um, American Association of Feline Practitioners has has had senior healthcare guidelines in place for many years, and in fact, it's undergoing its uh, a revision as we speak. So the guidelines are out there. It's just making sure that that everybody understands the reasons and the science behind them, so that we can help your pet live a healthier and longer and happier life. It's not about how long, it's about what's the quality, what's the relationship and um you know they're they're a big part of our lives.
2: Well, I I was honored to be a part of that Catalyst Summit and met a lot of the uh incredible movers and shakers in the uh, pet care industry, and animal welfare was involved, uh, pharmaceutical, uh, veterinarians, uh, media, everybody was there, and I came away with such a buzz on it that I'm, I'm delighted again to have you here. Uh, what, what were some of the other issues uh, that were discussed why cats are, seem to be getting the, uh, the short end of the furry stick when it comes to health care?
3: Well, you know, the, the cats outnumber dogs, 81 million to 72 million, uh, and that's of owned cats, of owned cats and dogs in the United States. Yet cats are only half as likely to see a veterinarian as a dog is. Uh, the, in the year of Why that is survey, that? Uh, well, th- those are very good questions. Uh, if, for a cat to come in an average of 0.7 times a year to see a veterinarian, we can't provide all the healthcare care it needs in a point seventh of a, of a visit compared to 2.6 times a year for for an average dog. And it's a very complicated issue. And, and of course, transporting cats is, is one of the challenges. So we need to educate people on what's the best way to transport a cat. How can you make your veterinary practice a feline-friendly hospital? So these are all things that are going to come out of the summit because of all these people. That want to work together to enhance the stature of cats, and it's just going to be—it's going to be fantastic. Well,
2: I know my own veterinarians here in town. I don't have a cat-specific clinic available to me nearby, and many of these cater to dogs or even large animals. And so, when I take yeah. my cat in, you know, the waiting room may have dogs in there. Uh, she's she's smelling these. These alien creatures that uh, you know, have no right to life on earth as far as she's concerned, so I think if we can come up with some cat friendly veterinary practices or help veterinarians recognize some of these things or make it easier for their for their cat uh, owning clients, I think that's going to be a huge boon
3: sure sure and that's part of the actually part of the business of providing the good health care to our patients does does the practice need a Feline waiting area or a feline-specific exam room that has warm counters and they use towels and all those little things that that help make the transition of getting your cat to the veterinarian is going to help going to help everybody, particularly cats.
2: <laughs> all right, I have a couple of more quotes here from my survey that I'd like to share with with you and with listeners because I think we've hit veterinarians. Uh, pretty hard in this show uh, and I wanted to show the the other side here one of the quotes was I would like to publicly state how wonderful I think my vets are and then another one she's a gem she returns phone calls answers questions explains until I understand is willing to listen to ideas I come across via the internet does not get offended when I ask why she chooses one way over another and is highly experienced oh And my pets love her, too. Now, these pet owners, they adore their animals. They want to do right by them. And when they find a veterinarian like this, and and I'm sure like you, Dr. Brunt, to partner with, cost becomes secondary compared to value. I think value really is the issue, don't you think?
3: Oh, clearly. And the more that we can share our knowledge with owners to, to make them be great pet owners, the better for everybody. There are lots of resources out there, the Catalyst Um, initiative that that you and I just um, participated with other people is going to be a great clearinghouse for information for for pet owners, for cat owners and I might also mention that the American Association of Feline Practitioners has a wonderful new website that's very pet owner friendly and it's just catvets.com so very easy to resource, to um, get the resources available on various cat health topics on that website, and it's a beautiful site. So.
2: Well, thank you, and I hope I would encourage all listeners to visit that site, and we will put that information up on our uh, petliferadio.com site as well. But unfortunately, we are out of time. I hope, Dr. Brunch, you would uh, consider returning another time. I'd like to thank you very much for Dr. Jane Brunt coming and for the producers for making Pet Peeves possible. And I dare you to join me next week for Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio for the next installment of What Hisses You Off. Email me suggestions or post a note to my blog by dialing up PetLifeRadio.com and clicking on the Pet Peeves logo. You can get transcripts that way, too. Woofs and purrs until next time. And remember, folks... Keep your pets happy and healthy. Instead of howling about it, search out a veterinarian you value and who values you as a partner in your pet's care. Keep them healthy or they'll get peeved.
1: That's it. You're madder than a junkyard dog and you're not going to take it anymore. Your feathers are ruffled, your dander is up, and you've got a definite bone to pick.